Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 46 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Wherever you're tuning in from in the world right now, I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, as I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, this is part one of a two-part episode with the South African superstar, the two-time Olympian and four-time Olympic medalist, and the man that in 2012 did the unthinkable and won the 200 fly in London, beating the best swimmer ever in Michael Phelps. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Mr. Chad LeClow. As Chad gears up right now for the Season 2 launch of the ISL over in Budapest, we caught up with him via Zoom a few weeks ago and checked on how training's going, how excited he is to be back racing again, as well we look at his incredible journey from the pool in humble beginnings to becoming Olympic champion and beating his idol Michael Phelps. We also discuss Rio 2016, his learning experiences from there, as well we take on drugs in sport and whether he should be given the gold medal from the 200 freestyle in Rio. We also talk about his plans for the future in the pool, what mountains and next to conquer on his list. Let's not waste any time. Let's not get stuck listening to my voice. Let's get stuck right into it. So if you need a shot of positivity, if you need some words of wisdom from a man who has done it all and still wants to accomplish more, then you've come to the right place. Get your pen and paper ready because at 46, my chat with the legend that is Mr. Chad LaClose starts... Now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noot and the symmetry of all eyes is the great Madame Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he's surely can't do it to him again. Chavez in the white hats. Vets in the black hats. And Vets has got it. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to Thorpe. Thorpe to the hall. Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Joining me today on the show is a two-time Olympian and a four-time Olympic medalist. He's a superstar of our sport that has represented his country of South Africa proudly at World Champs, Com Games, amassing, I think, 39 medals in total, Chad, I noticed there. At uh, the 2012 London Olympics, he did something not many people get to do when he won a gold medal in the 200 fly and beating his sporting hero, Michael Phelps. It is a massive welcome from across the other side of the world via Zoom to one of the greats, Mr. Chad LeClos. Chad, how are you, mate? Hey, mate. Great to be on your show. Thanks very much. All good. <laughs> Not a trouble at all. It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, I've got to thank you, mate, because we just touched on before that you got in touch with me thanks to the great Penny Haynes but you actually did something not many people do you sent me a voice message and I wasn't expecting it and I was like look at this look how I'm rolling now I'm getting voice messages in the morning from Chad LeClose so thank you very much mate no thank you no it's great man uh yeah Penny's a, Penny's a legend I think uh you know when she messaged me like I said to you before you know I was literally jumping on a flight to Turkey sorting out. I'm like Penny, just send Robbie my number. We're all good. I think I sent her a voice note too. I was like, just send the number through. I'll be good. I'm just sorting myself out now. <laughs> no, mate, you killed it. Now, where, where are you at at the moment? So, obviously, everyone knows where I am. Where have we caught you? So, I'm in Turkey at the moment. I'm in a place called Antalya. It's about an hour flight from Istanbul. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get on a flight last week, about 10 days ago, from uh, 
from South Africa, of course. I was there on lockdown for, you know, six months or so. And now I'm back with the team and I'm very happy to be back in uh, some sunny weather. It's been a bit of a winter in South Africa. Not, 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 not the first time in about 12 years I've been back home during July, yeah. July, August. So uh, just like you, you guys are very cold. We are back in the sun now. So very, very cool. Yeah, I did tell you before, I was getting a bit jealous with some of those stuff you're putting on Instagram, jumping out in the ocean, looking <laughs> nice and sunny there, nice and warm. Mate, you must be excited to get back into some racing again soon after, you know, such a, a long and crazy year that we've had. I know as a fan of myself, you know, I'm excited to see uh, the ISL go ahead and get to watch some racing. You're a part of Energy Standard uh, and the team there. How much are you looking forward to getting back into some racing and, and with your teammates? Absolutely. I think for me, firstly, just to be back in Turkey is great because obviously I've been away from my coach and my team, teammates for the last six months. So it's been very difficult. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to race. I think uh, I've been itching to, to just do something the last couple of months. Um, still got a few weeks that I need to get fit first, properly fit. Uh, it's, been, it's been tough the last couple of months. Um, but I'm very happy. You know, it's uh, been a good week and a half now, um, picking the mileage up nicely and uh, yeah, we're kicking it off with a, with a bang. I think we've got a, quite a tough group we've drawn. I think we've got the Condors and uh, Current and uh, New York Breakers first up. So it's going to be quite a, quite a humdinger opening match. So we, we're looking forward to it, uh, definitely. Hey, what did you make of It's fairly topical at the moment, so I'll bring it up. Obviously, a lot of the Aussies unable to, to go over and compete. It did make a pretty big dent in, in the ISL in general because there are a lot of Aussies that are taking part in it. What do you think of it all? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, not, not happy at all, of course, because, uh, you know, we're very sad because obviously, you know, you want to have the strongest guys there. You know, I've always said it before, even individually, you know, I've always pride myself in racing the best, you know, even if I lose to the best, uh, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather get silver than get a gold against someone that's not, that's not there, you know. So, uh, yeah, not, not great news, of course. Um, I actually spoke to Carl Chalmers the other day, you know, also sad news about him having, uh, picking up a knock. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be tough. It's going to be a bit of a blow for the ISL, but I think, I think we're all just so, so happy that we're able to race. You know, I think everyone's just grateful to be in a position where, uh, you know, Constantine, you know, he's put, he's put this all together the last couple of months. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to make the best of it. You know, we're going to be in Budapest. It's going to be awesome. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Here on the podcast, we, we uh, you know, put our support behind the London Raw, no offence, but uh, I had to pick a side and that <laughs> had the most Australians nah, on it. And I'm a big Adam Peaty fan as well. So I, I had to get behind <laughs> the London Raw. Uh, mate, talk to me about training during the pandemic. I know you were saying before you had a few niggles and things you had to fix up as well. How were you affected during the pandemic and what did training look like for you? Yeah, it was tough. I think the first part of the pandemic, it was actually okay. I was staying at a house where I had a pool to train in, um, you know, a huge, huge place, you know, 36 acres. We had horses, family, friends' house. It was a huge farmhouse, a lot of dogs. It was very, very nice the first five weeks. And then I went into surgery the first week of May. And I was pretty much out for about six and a half weeks. I had keyhole surgery. So, my, you know, I had stitches in my stomach. I had a big ball on my foot, <laughs> which I got cut out which was a secondary one. So I just got that done. So I was kind of bedridden for about a month. And then I started slowly walking, you know, after about three and a half weeks and then obviously swimming after about six, six and a half weeks. So yeah, I was out the water for a while. It was a good break. Um, started to swim uh, at my old school, Westford Boys High, mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of weeks. And then uh, it's actually the Chad Leclerc pool named after me. So I'm very, very honored about that. And uh, yeah, basically 
you know, was, was going quite good until a little bit of sinus came. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's, it's hit me quite hard with everything that's happened, you know, no COVID. So uh, I actually found out that I'm, I'm gluten intolerant mm-hmm. and I'm wheat and I'm wheat intolerant and, and nuts, you know, I can't eat nuts. So I've, you know, that's been adding to the sinus problems I've been having. So yeah, uh, yeah it's been a big change for me the last three weeks. Um, but I'm back on track training well and uh, just happy to be back. Like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's just great to be back training. I mean, it's been, it's been forever since I've had a solid two weeks of training without any stop start, you know? So mm. yeah. Well, mate, I tell you what, that's how you know you've made it when you've got a pool named after you and you walk in and you get to swim in your own <laughs> pool. That is, that's, that's the epitome of you've made it. Well, talk to me about getting back in the pool though. Was it easier or harder than you thought? Cause obviously, you know, as you said, you, you had a few um, weeks off there. Was it easier or harder getting stuck back into it? Yeah, man, it was, it was tough. You see, I always start slowly. So after like, even after December break, I'll come into training on January and I'll take it easy. I'll go to two and a half Ks, three Ks. I don't, you know, I like to just build, build up slowly. So it's, it's quite easy in the beginning, you know, so it wasn't necessarily, I wouldn't say, I mean, I was unfit, sure, but I wasn't like terribly unfit. The first week or two that I swam, I had to use a pool boy because I couldn't really use my abs, activate. So I was kind of just swimming without doing any tumble turns. Um, it was really boring to be honest with you but like i think um after about two weeks i actually felt like i was okay you know i started doing some aerobic blocks you know some 10 or 100s uh put the paddles on it was quite you know i was, I was okay it wasn't that bad and then yeah i got to a stage where i was actually i was actually swimming really well um i went to cape town swam with a couple of the guys uh there's a couple of youngsters that i was swimming with really top youngsters you know 156 200 flies 16 year old you know so up and coming youngsters um giving me a good, good run for my money in training. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so quick reality check, but yeah, no, it was good. I mean, and then the sinus came, it was just, yeah, it hasn't been great the last four weeks to be honest. But, um, like I say, I'm in positive spirits, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a guy that likes to complain about anything. So, uh, you know, no excuses going forward and we'll see what happens. I have already noted that mate, you're a guy that talks about the challenges you've gone through, but you've managed to wrap up every one of these little sentences with, you know, positivity and how you're looking forward. So I love it already. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there at the moment, mate, getting back into things in terms of uh, age group swimmers, or it might be elite swimmers and they're planning ahead and they're planning for their nationals or whatever. I'm interested because you just sort of touched on it then and how you get back into it. What, what have been sort of the priorities for you getting stuck back into it? Is it just more, you know, technique, and, and building that aerobic base, what are sort of the priorities for you over, say, that first eight to, you know, 12-week block? Yeah, absolutely. I'm almost in that, you know, block right now. You know, we're doing, we're doing mileage, um, but we built it up really slowly. I mean, the first day that I arrived last week, uh, well, it's been about, well, nearly, I guess it's nearly two weeks, actually. I arrived on the Friday. Um, basically, did like, three k's you know easy long course next morning was like three and a half k's and then even sunday i just took a little swim did like a 2k scaling session and then we started with like a 5k on monday you know four and a half k monday night and then we slowly built up to like i'm on 6k already so you know i'd say just some small advice is just know your you know um you know i don't want to say know your limitations but feel uh what you need you know i think the swimmers always know that you know i feel, I feel like sometimes coaches uh, tend to push athletes a little bit too early and that's when injury and sickness happens. So, like I said before, you know, when you start the season, I'm usually quite, um, I'm quite slow, definitely very slow the first week or 10 days. And then once you get that aerobic block built up, you can increase some anaerobic work, some speed work, some threshold, 
right now I'm just in that uh, aerobic block, you know, this morning doing some 800s, you know, not very fun, but uh, definitely needed for, 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 the, for that two fly and hopefully two free next year. Absolutely. I think that's great advice to me. Now, when you're in that big aerobic block, what are you thinking about when you're doing these 800s? I mean, do you, are you thinking about your technique in every single lap or, you know, are you human and you've started singing songs in your head or you've started thinking about <laughs> what's happening later in the week or? Mate, I'm always singing songs in my head. Always. <laughs> 90% of the time. Warm up. I'll tell you something actually strange. I was thinking about this during lockdown. Like I daydream a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So when I'm swimming, Almost 100% of the time when I'm in warm-up, I'm picturing I'm, I'm in another place. So I'm actually not thinking about technique at all in warm-up. I'm just, I'm floating, okay, I'm warm, you know, if I did a little bit of aerobic, 300s, you know, I get myself warmed up. But I'm always thinking about like 100 fly Olympics next year, you know, semifinals, getting into lane five for the final. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe Dressel on my left, you know, uh, Minikov on my right, so Milak on, you know, one lane over. I'm just... I'm thinking about things all the time, you know, and, and, and you know, uh, I, have, I think I have a big imagination. My girlfriend actually says to me, even when we're at dinner sometimes, you know, she can see I'm just like, I'm not there. I'm just thinking about like, whatever, playing for Man United one day, you know, what I mean? managing them as a manager in 20 years time, you know, just like crazy stuff. So I think uh, for me, um, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'm a technical swimmer. Mm. I wouldn't put that down on my pedigree, but I'd say like with, uh, with age and with, uh, you know, learning, um, with different coaches now, technique has become definitely a part of my swimming, uh, but it's never really the the main the main feature. You know, I must be honest. I'm a very I don't know. I'm a very rugged swimmer. You know, I look around. I don't do the norm that people shouldn't follow. You know, but like I, I'm a racer, right? So I just I just I just look for the race. I look I look forward to racing the top guys, and you know, sometimes it goes my way, sometimes it doesn't. But like, I'm never just dis- disheartened by results. You know, I'm never ever. Um, I'm never broken, right? Yeah. I'm never broken by any results, you know? So, well, that looking around thing, mate, we'll get to that in a minute. So don't, don't jump ahead of me. We're <laughs> going to talk about that soon. Uh, let's go back though, where it all started for you. Talk to me about, you know, what drew you towards the pool as a youngster? Well, you know, when I was very young, I was playing a lot of sports. Um, I played a lot of uh, football or soccer. Um, I think you guys call it soccer in Australia, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, perfect. Same South Africa. Yeah, so I played a lot of soccer growing up. I played for the junior, like, um, state team, like, uh, you know, Natal, it's called Durban, whatever you want to call it. So, like, yeah. you know, wherever you guys are. Um, so, soccer was always my main priority. My family come from a soccer background. Obviously, I played a bit of rugby. Um, and then I just started swimming. I was quite young. I was, like, eight years old, just for whatever reason. And then, you know, the coach, you know, said, you know, you see a bit of talent and directed me off to Graham, Graham Hill, you know, my first coach. And, uh yeah, just kind of took off from there, you know, decided when I was, you know, I was 13 or 14 going into high school. Mm-hmm. That's when I decided to swim and focus on swimming and stop soccer and stop everything else. And uh, yeah, I've never really looked back. Eh? It's, been, <laughs> it's been a crazy journey. Obviously, mate, you know, growing, uh, growing up sorry, in South Africa, you know, you've got cricket, you've got rugby. Those are sort of the, the main sort of um sports over there was were there any other sports that were sort of a real possibility to you obviously you're saying you know uh, man united so obviously you're, you're right into your soccer yeah. were they sort of a, a a real sort of um outlet for you i think so i uh, look i was always as a kid i always knew what i wanted to be when i grew up i always wanted to be a sportsman um i always wanted to play soccer to be honest with you but swimming was always there you know i was, I was always a big dreamer when i was a kid um i think like 
when it became a reality was when I went to the Commonwealth Games, the youth Commonwealth uh, in India, and I won two gold medals as a 16-year-old in an under-18 competition, you know. I was racing some top guys there, and uh, yeah, I think that's when it kind of hit home, like, not really hit home, but like, it gave me a lot of like wind in my sails, you know. I mm. always believed that I was I was going to be a successful swimmer as a kid. You know, maybe I was a little bit deluded at the time, but uh, it's something that always uh, still drives me today. You know, I, I'm, I'm very driven by um, the future, you know, Olympic medals, ISL, world short course titles, um, legacy. So, like, you know, I'm constantly thinking about that going forward. And, uh, yeah, just enjoying the journey, really. Well, mate, four Olympic medals, one of those are gold. I don't know how deluded you were. I feel like uh, you were always, you always sort of had an idea of, of where you were going to get to. Now, sorry, in a documentary of yours, and I was just talking about it to you before, uh, called Unbelievables on um, uh, YouTube. I was watching it. One thing that struck me was, was the pool there, mate, that you trained in. I think in the documentary, yeah. you said there's, you know, people's cars got stolen in the car park quite a lot. The pool wasn't the most pleasant yeah. sort of thing to look at. Here in Australia, we wouldn't really understand that sort of stuff. So if, if you're listening, go YouTube and, and, and watch that documentary and see exactly what I'm talking about. We're pretty blessed here. How important was that, you know, for you in terms of building that resilience? Because clearly, I think you trained there when you went to um, London, which we'll get to in a minute. But, you know, you're sort of training in pools that, you know, not many other people were. Were you using that as motivation to say, you know, this is sort of what I'm going through, those other guys aren't? To be honest with you, the first couple of years, I didn't know any better. That was that was the best pool in the world for me, you know. Yeah. I was a kid. I had a, I had a great coach. We worked well together. I had a great family. And, uh, I mean, I come from humble beginnings. You know, I'm not a – I don't know. We're a very simple family. So, like, it didn't bother me at all. I, I didn't look at it as a negative at all. Um, I think when I started getting older and traveling, you know, I went to Oz for the first time in 2007. Actually, 2006. Uh, I went to the – in Perth. I don't know what it's called now. Uh, I always forget the Western Coast Champs. Mm-hmm. I was uh, Tommaso Theostrogna. Uh, he was there, um, and uh, yeah, you know, I think from there we started seeing how the pools were were different and everything. And I mean, for me, it was just like exactly what you said. You know, you you build, you you become resilient because you not you don't care about other conditions. I mean, in the Gold Coast, it was beautiful. It was one of the best Commonwealth Games by far for me, and. Uh, I was hoping every night that it was going to rain and hail because I knew the other guys weren't going to be able to take it. I was, I was prepared for anything, you know? Mm. So definitely the pool to a certain degree and, and the, the lifestyle I've come from has definitely made me tough. I absolutely think that that's a, that's a, that's a you know, reality. But I think it gets to a stage, mate, where you, know, you become Olympic champion, world champion, Commonwealth champion, and you deserve to train in a great facility, you know? So you've got to grow up with, with, with the stages. I think for 15, 16 years, I've done my time, you know? Yeah. I've done my time swimming in the gutter lane with the pumps. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I feel like, <laughs> I, feel like I deserve it better, you know? Not, not to sound arrogant or anything, but like, yeah, it, it was difficult in my later years, post-London, for sure, you know? Not to say Olympics changed, changed me as a person, but like, you know, you, you become Olympic champion, you're a young, you know, young man, you know, young boy even, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, everything gets, you know, thousand directions and and i think uh you know you, you definitely you definitely lose a, a little bit of motivation i'm not gonna lie i lost that a bit you know i lost my my fight a little bit you know not my fight in the racing but just to train you know my desire to train definitely slipped and and 
I'm man enough to admit it. It is what it is. Um, I was, you know, I had a bit of injuries at the time, but like, you know, it was things could have gone better from my side. And uh, yeah, you know, got uh, got back on track probably end of 2014. And uh, you know, I've just, uh, especially since since Rio, uh, I'm a different person. You know, I'm, I'm hungrier. I'm hungrier than ever to be successful. Um, you know, desperate to win again at the Olympics. I really am. Uh, you know, some would say obsessed, <laughs> people around me. But I mean, that's just where I'm at. You know, I mean, if it doesn't happen, it is what it is. It wouldn't, it, like I said, it wouldn't devastate me. You know, the more important things in life, you know, my family's, my family's health and, and, and everything is more important than anything, any gold medal. But, uh, you know, Olympics and, and, and winning and success is, uh, is definitely up there, I'd oh, say. Mate. I love it. And obsessed is a great word, especially when you, you know, training towards the Olympics. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. You know, we, we touched on just before what training you're doing at the moment. What sort of training were you doing as an age group athlete? Because I think this pertains a little bit more to, you know, the people that listen, whether they're coaches of age group swimmers or age group swimmers themselves now. And they look at you and the great career you've had. And obviously, you know, you were, that was built off, you know, good foundations. What were you doing as an age group swimmer? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, when I started swimming, you know, we started, we were like, as a youngster, we were just for fun. I was doing other sports. I think, like I say, when I was 13, 14, it became more serious in high school. I mean, we were doing a lot of, um, not crazy mileage, but we were doing a lot of like threshold medley Hungarian type of training. You know, I was, I was, I was a medley swimmer first, you know, actually a breaststroke swimmer. Now I won, I won the 200 breaststroke in 2008 for the youth games. Actually my, you know, the, the late Kenny Toe, uh, you know, he got silver to me in the medley also. And, you know, obviously a great friend of mine, um, you know, growing up and, you know, not to dampen the mood, tragic what happened, you know, last Absolutely. year. But uh, I think, um, you know, for me, uh, we worked really hard as a, as a youngster, um, you know, even like when the Hungarians, Laszlo Shea, David Rasto, that group would come down every January for a training camp and, uh, you know, I'd hop in with them for a couple of sessions of the week and, and you know, get my ass kicked. And, uh, yeah, you learn a lot. You know, I think I, I learned a lot through, uh, through other people. You know, uh, yeah, me and Graham, we, we, we traveled a lot uh, also to Europe, doing a lot of racing and we did a lot of training camps. Uh, you know, a lot of people j- jumping in and out. So, uh, yeah, we, we worked really hard. I'd say high, high thresholds, VO2 max, a lot of that type of training most days. Mate, was your debut on the South African team in 2010 Com Games, or were you there before that? Yeah, my debut was my my uh, Commonwealth debut was 2010. Uh, my senior debut was 09 in Rome. Um, yeah, I guess junior I was yeah 2008 in uh, India. Yeah, it was good. 2010 was a good year for me. <laughs> that was a crazy year, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't heard much. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard much good about the Delhi games, mate. To be honest, in terms of the facilities yeah. and also, I've heard some just horrendous stories. But uh, you did, you seemed to do pretty well. Yeah, mate. I think us South Africans, especially me, I thrive in the chaos. You know, we look for the chaos, the, the hard, the hard uh, environments. I think uh, that was fine, man. I mean, when I went to Delhi, it was great, it was fantastic. There was a snake in my room the first day, but other than that, it was perfect. Really? How did you go with that? <laughs> other than that, it was perfect. No, we walked in and there was a snake. We were, okay, what do we do? Yeah, I mean, I'm scared of snakes, right? That's that's not my game. I screamed like a girl. I ran outside, but like, you know, whatever. It was cool. I mean, we. I was rooming with Cameron for the first time. Cameron from the Berg, obviously. You know, he was a you know well established uh, 
you know, top swimmer at the time. And I was obviously a, a baby still, 17, 18 year old. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing, really. It was amazing. It was amazing to, 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 uh, I mean, I remember obviously the first race, turn of fly, you know, Nick Darcy, he came ninth in that turn of fly. He missed the final. And I knew, I mean, I knew from months back, he was the guy, you know, even at the Pan Packs, I think just before, uh, I think it was like six weeks before, he, he got second to Phelps in a 154, uh, I think four. Phelps was 154-1. Um, you know, he beat Matsuda also. And I remember like, obviously, I, I didn't expect to swim 154 as a 17-year-old. And I knew I was going to drop some time from whatever, 158 at the time. But when he missed that final, I knew like, this is my opportunity. You know, I was laying two. No one had won a final. I actually, I was, I was quite confident that I was going to win that race just because I was unknown and I knew that I was going to, you know, don't say smash them the last 50, but like my plan was to, you know, like London, soak it up and then hit them yeah. on the break at the last, at the last ball. So, uh, yeah. Well, London, we're going to get to it in a second. How important do you think though was 2009 in Rome, 2010 in Delhi, those experiences, Obviously, that you know, we can see there's a progression here. Did they go on to help 2012 in terms of lessons along the way that you could sort of fine tune before then? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I was I had a lot of competitions before. I mean, 2010, I had the Youth Olympics also. Uh, just before the Commonwealth, I had the World Championships in Dubai, the short course. So there was a lot of things happening that year. Um, and in 2009, you know, I was doing World Cups and obviously the long course World Champs. So it was just good to to be in the atmosphere, be in the vibe, see what it was like under pressure, you know. I didn't know if I had BMT back then because it was still early days. Uh, I definitely have it when I play FIFA. So my older brother would always tell me. So we, we, it was a good test for me. I think uh, Connaught was a big test for me. Um, you know, because I was up against some top quality, you know, athletes. And I think uh, it just gave me confidence to the next one. You know, I had short course, which I won later that year. You know, I was, mm -hmm. you know, the youngest ever South African world champion. So that was great. I think uh, a lot of lessons along the way, like you say, you know, you learn a lot of things through watching other people. You know, I think in 2009, I was just watching Phelps all day long. I was just following him everywhere. You know, if you went to the bathroom, I'd follow him just because I, I was like, you know, so much in awe of him and he was such a uh, inspiration to me and, 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 you know, there are many great athletes I learned from, you know, just learned warm-up techniques, stretching techniques. I just, I'd watch a lot. And I think, uh, yeah, I guess for the youngsters listening, I think that's, uh, that's something I'd recommend, you know, just, just learn from everybody. You know, you, you're, never, you're never too old to learn. You know, I think even right now, to be honest with you, as a 28-year-old, I still feel like an absolute white belt <laughs> in swimming. You know, I still feel like I'm learning so much. I mean, yeah. I started sculling for the first time in 2017 with my, <laughs> you know, my new coach, you know what I mean? So like, you know, you learn a lot about yourself and about uh, about training and about racing, and just about uh, about life in general. You know, mm. so uh, yeah, always always trying to learn and get get better. I guess, mate. Well, you hit the nail on the head with learning. I mean, that's how the podcast started. I mean, it started for other reasons as well. But I, I felt like as a coach, I didn't know half as much as I needed to know. So I decided I was going to just talk to as many swimmers and as many coaches and, yeah, uh, you know, and, and I'm learning along the way as you, I don't know if you noticed before, but I was writing stuff down. I'm constantly even making notes. It's like a webinar to me, man. I know it's an interview for you, but I'm, <laughs> I'm writing notes down as I go. I'm learning. Um, no, 2012 okay. London Olympics before we get to the races, the leader, what was that training block like? I'm always really interested in terms of, just breakout performances, superstar performances, things that, you know, in terms of looking back on your career, it's just that one sort of standout moment that, you know, 
how does that come about? What was the training block like in the lead up to it? Was it just, you know, things just went really well? You're feeling physically, you know, fitter than you've ever felt? Did it all just sort of go flow, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't believe in, I don't believe in perfect races, perfect. I, I believe in hard work. I mean, if you have to be ready to go the day before, the day after, it is what it is, you know. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't believe that everything's got to be like, I mean, sure, I think that moment was perfect, right? That was, that was as perfect race as I could have had, I think, in my life. But the lead up was, we knew where we were, right? I, I was very confident that I was going to get a medal in, in 400 IM, 200 IM, 200 fly. Not the 100 fly. I didn't think I was going to make the final 100 fly, to be very honest with you. So, like, the training block was crazy. We, I knew about seven weeks before we did some crazy sets with some butterfly um, in, in training. And I was, I was even training with, like, Marco Koch, uh, the breaststroke, tuna breaststroker, and Cameron. Because, um, obviously, I was swimming the 400 IM. You know, I was doing every Thursday was our recovery day. And I was doing a set every single Thursday. It was uh, eight times 200 breaststroke. Um, on like 3.30 send of time into like I think 6.50s or 4.50s like descending so like going like 36 35 33 32 yep. and then descending the turn breaststrokes each round 1 to 8 or 1 to 6 whatever it was a big huge breaststroke set I was doing that back then um, obviously before I got injured in my groin and uh, yeah I mean I was I was prepared for anything I was super fit man no one was no one was fitter than me in London no one was tougher than me in London, like mentally, emotionally, physically. I was, I was as good, I was as good as I could have been. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I was just, I was just ready to go. Right. I mean, that's going to fly after the semifinals. I remember I was, I, I swam a, a national record one fifty four three or something. And I remember still like taking it easy, not taking it easy. I hate to say that it sounds uh, cocky, but mm. I was, holding back a little bit the last 25 meters, even though Matsuda was on my right, we were going together. And usually, I'm not saying I let him beat me. I, I definitely didn't let him beat me, but he was only 0.1 ahead of me. Yeah. And I knew he's not going to beat me tomorrow night. If he's, if he's fully extended, he's not beating me, you know, in the final tomorrow night. And obviously, Michael, I mean, we didn't know what type of shape he was in. Um, I mean, he was in great shape. I mean, he almost broke the record the 200 IM. You know what I'm saying? So there was no... We knew it was going to be a tough race, and I, I knew that I could drop. I could drop time. So heading into that final, there was no pressure, obviously, on me. But like, I was. I, I went in that race expecting to win. You know, in my mind, like we weren't. We weren't going for silver. We would have taken silver if you'd asked me before the race. I would have signed for silver. <laughs> don't mind. Absolutely don't. I'm not trying to sign arrogant yet, but yeah. we were preparing to go for gold. Like me and my coach, we warmed up. We prepared. We, you know, he even told me before you walk out. He said, his "Pep talk was." Chad, if you want to beat Michael Phelps, this is your last time because you're tying after this. That's all he said to me. Those were his words. Mm. And that was enough for me. You know what I mean? So, Well, mate, you went 152.9. You beat your, your sporting hero. You're a daydreamer, as you said before, to, in your own words, not mine. Uh, you, you would have, you know, you would have <laughs> pictured this moment. What was the moment in reality like? Did it, did it match what you had sort of dreamed of before or was it way more than that it was way more man it was it was it's hard to put into words really because i know everyone says oh it was crazy crazy but like for me mate to win an olympic gold medal what that means to me and my family is like honestly like if you talk about it to my dad he starts crying even me I sometimes yeah it's such a it's such a huge moment for, for us as a family and as a 
And when I say family, I mean, I have a huge family, right? Just for Christmas, we have 112 people coming over, you know? So oh, damn. The, support, the support that I have is, is incredible, you know, just from my family side, you know, like leave the country and, and the support that I have internationally. Like, it just means so much to us because it's, it's, you know, like world champion. It's like, it's such an honor to be an Olympic champion for me. And uh, when I won that race, it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't like, it was like shock mixed with like, I didn't know what to say. I couldn't talk. I remember the interview afterwards. I was, I couldn't, I couldn't talk. I was just crying my eyes out because it was such a huge, it was such a moment that I dreamt of for so many years, you know, since I watched Michael in 2004. That's all I thought about. Mm. I told my dad after Beijing, watching it in the morning, it was 4 a.m. in the morning watching the, the, the finals because obviously it was the heat, the morning finals in South Africa, Yeah, you know, a couple of hours behind. So we were, wake up and watching and, 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 and I told him, I said, dad, that's, that's, that's the one that's the I'm going to get him on there. I'll, I'll, I'll get that race because in my mind, it was just the toughest swimmer, the toughest swimmer in the tuna fly wins the race. That's what my mentality was as a, as a kid. Right. Mm. So I just, I just, I just try to outwork everybody. That's, that's bottom line. What I did, you know, as a kid, I just, I just, I just, I trained to, to, to just go through people. That's what I did, you know? And, uh, yeah, obviously it worked out in London. It was, you know, sure, a little bit of luck, you know. I think in a big final, a big World Cup final, there's an element of luck to it, absolutely. But I had worked. I worked so hard for that moment, you know. Well, man, there's uh, no doubt you're a worker, but, you know, you mentioned in that documentary, and you actually mentioned before as well, that you, you study things very closely. You studied Michael's races. How detailed was this study? I mean, did you have it down to stroke counts, underwater kicks, rates, splits? I mean, how mm. sort of detailed did you get? See, that's the crazy part, right? When I say study, I don't even know really how to do stroke counts, right? Or stroke uh, tempos. Yeah, I don't even yeah. know what that means. I mean, I started doing that for the first time about a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. telling me 48 tempo. I said, what, what, what's 48? Oh, man, I'm doing <laughs> 50 fly. What, what, what's 48? Tell me what's 48. They're like, no, your stroke rate's 48. I said, well, I don't know what that means. Well, I've never heard of that in my life, you know? Yeah. So I was more counting it, like just as a, I was counting the strokes for sure. Um, mm -hmm. but I, was just, I, was just, I was just feeling it out. I was watching it thousands of times, just just picturing myself with him, seeing if I could match him, seeing what other guys did wrong, you know, like, you know, I mean, he was such a dominant champion for so many years, especially that two fly. And I knew like, I knew like if I'm in the race with him and we've got a 50 to go and like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to have a knock, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up. You know, I'll die if I have to, you know what I'm trying to say? That, that's my mentality. So if you beat me, you beat me, you know, I'll take my head off to him. It's like, it's like in Rio when he beat me, came back to win that race. I mean, I, what can I do, man? I got fourth, you know, I have to respect that, you know? Mm. Um, but like, you know, sometimes in, 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 in sport and in life, you just gotta, you just gotta do your best, you know, prepare yourself in the best way and just, uh, and just go for it. Execute your game plan. Uh, my game plan was simple. I didn't really have a game plan. Just swim, swim with him and beat him at the last underwater. That was, that was it, you know? And, uh, you know, thankfully it worked out and, uh, you know, I think as I got older, I've learned a bit more about stroke, stroke rates and all that stuff. But like more just studying it from a underwater perspective, his dive, you know, his turns, um, I guess counting his strokes, not really stroke rates, but like, you know, that, yeah. that type of stuff. More like visualization than, than actual studying. Mm. If that makes any sense. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Now, I don't want to turn this into the Michael Phelps chat, but one thing that does fascinate no, no, me no, too, no. obviously you, you, you watched his, his racing. What did you learn about the man psychologically outside of the pool because there's no doubt it, in my mind he's the greatest athlete of all time I, I just idolize the guy there's no doubt 
Absolutely. There's a lot more that goes into it than just the race and, and the physical side of things. He's, he clearly has that champion's mentality. What did you learn from him away from the pool that helped you as well? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've, I've, I've always looked up to him exactly what you said. You know, I think he's the greatest athlete of all time you know, in all sports. I really do. I think he's up there in the top, top four of, of, of all sports for what, what he's done. Um, yeah, he, he's a warrior. You know, he, he came back and, and, and he... Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just watching like everything that's happened, I think, uh, in his career. You know, he's won those close races, you know. And that's something that I've always always did as a kid, you know. So I always <laughs> I wanted to be like Mike, you know what I mean, as, as a kid. And I think, uh, yeah, I felt like I was him in that race in London, right? I mean, mm. I was Phelps and he was somebody else, right? That, that's mm. how it was, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he won't like me saying that, but that's how it felt to me. I mean, yeah. it was great. It was, it, was, it was unbelievable. I think his mindset is, is, is terrific. You know, I, I feel like I have a similar mindset. You know, maybe in a different way. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't take things personally in that in that aspect. I don't look at things as a, you know. But I, I really do relish challenges. Mm. Uh, you know, I really do. I live for those moments, those huge moments. You know, Carl Chalmers dress on the hundred freestyle. You know, I'm still. That's still something I have my eye on in, in a couple of years' time when I stop this two hundreds and two hundred threes, two hundred flies. You know what I mean? So like. I, I, I realize those, those, those opportunities, you know, and, and, and uh, those big moments. So like, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, you look at it, it is, it is only sport, right? Yeah. 20 years time. I mean, Mike's retired now for a couple of years now. I mean, I mean, he looks back and he's got his kids now and he's, I'm sure he doesn't really care that he lost to me in London now. You know what I mean? Looking back on his career, right? Oh, I don't, know. I don't Maybe, know. I don't know. I've talked to a lot know. of legends on this show and I can assure you, they all look back on that one moment and they still go, hmm. It still plays on their mind. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's like me and Rio, to be honest with you. I guess, yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it is what it is. You know, it's, 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 uh, yeah. I mean, what, what can you do, right? It's Again, right. I always say this. I say this to kids a lot, you know, and I think it is a problem in society today, especially in sport. People, people take things very personally, right? Especially like parents and like youngsters, you know, like they get picked for the soccer team or the Aussie rules team and whatever. And, and the swimming team, whatever it is, or they beat you and beat the... I mean, it's, it's, it's just sport, you know. It doesn't have to be so personal. I mean, when Laszlo Shea, I mean, I've known Laszlo for many years. He's also a great champion. I idolize him as a, as a human being, not just a swimmer. And, uh, you know, I was obviously beat him for all the years that I came through the ranks. It stopped when I started winning, you know, I always kind of... I touched him, you know what I mean? In 2015, I'm... I'm a favorite. I'm Olympic champion, defending world champion. He's a you know, 30, 30, 31 year old. Like he should, he shouldn't beat me with respect. And he just smoked me in that race. Right. And, and, and it was great. I mean, I was obviously upset, but like right after that race, I mean, my dad was at the same hotel as him. He was like afraid to see my dad because he was like, Oh, you know, my dad gave him a big hug. He, he, he took the silver medal. He put the fist by his mouth. Yeah. Like as a joke, you know, yeah, yeah. Took a picture with him and like, you know, like, put on Facebook, you know, and second, you know, second champion, you know, whatever. And, uh, that's, that's just how it is. That's my mentality. You know, it's not, uh, whether, whether, whether I lose, you know, to, to my teammates or whatever, you know, it's not, we're still going to go for dinner afterwards. We're still going to have a drink afterwards, whatever. It's not, you know, no, absolutely. Man. I think it's a great mentality to have uh, and a great lesson for all the youngsters that are listening out there. I'm very interested though, um, going back to South Africa after those Olympics, were you a bit a bit of a movie star at the time? Did you have to you know, have the paparazzi following you around? What was it like? Because I can only imagine it would have been pretty chaotic for you. 
man, it was crazy. Uh, like I said, I'm a normal kid, you know, I'm, I'm a normal boy from a normal town, humble, humble beginnings, right? And like, we came back and there was like 12,000 people at the airport, right? It's crazy. I had like a lot of girls taking, uh, you know, cardboard cutouts where you go to the matric dance, which is the... Didn't know where that was story dance. was going to go, mate, when you started with a lot of yeah. girls taking photos. I didn't know where that... So, from, yeah, yeah, I was gonna I'm, say, glad, no, no, I'm no. glad we stayed <laughs> clean there. It's good, yeah. We stayed clean there. Um, <laughs> you know, it was... Uh, <laughs> no, it was great. Like, honestly, uh, it was just... It was an unbelie- unbelievable time. I wish I could go back, really. Like, it was such a high I was on for so long, like... I don't know. It was like six months. I, I woke up in the morning, happiest I've ever been, you know, like nothing was, it was a hard time for me because I I dealt a lot of media, a lot of different things. You had my first real injury after London, you know, you know, we had uh, some other logistical issues with, you know, other things in life mm. as we all do when you grow up. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a crazy time for me. Like, yeah, everywhere I went, it was people knew knew who I was, and obviously my dad. You know, it's very famous, and that oh, was great. It was fantastic. Uh, I think uh, I'm just I'm proud. You know, like I think a lot of people who don't like it, like I understand. You know, it can get but it can be hard. But like, you know, one day when it's all gone, I think you're gonna miss it. You know, like all the kids coming up to you. It's it's a big honor to have that. You know, to have kids that like really look up to you and like want to be like you. You know, it's like. I knew what it was like growing up with Phelps and with other people, Muhammad Ali and many other great champions. And I just feel like it's just so humbling to see that, you know, to like to have an influence on other people's life the way that I, the way that, the way that I do sometimes, you know, with people. And it's crazy. It's really, really crazy. No, I think you hit the nail on the head and I, th- I think you, you get it in terms of that. I was, on that documentary, I know you were talking about wanting to bring swimming into, you know, mainstream sport over there in South Africa and wanting to be that voice. And I think, you know, if swimming in general as a sport in the world is going to come back to the forefront and and the ISL, I think is doing a great job of that as well. But, uh, you know, I think doing what you're doing, even just talking to me now, you know, is, is really important. I know you, you, you wanted to just have a chat with me cause I'm a nice guy, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, I, I think you get it in terms of promoting the sport and, and really pushing the sport and trying to get you know, the right messaging out there. I think some, you know, athletes out there, I think I'm not going to point fingers, but I think do miss that point. It's, it's easy to say, Absolutely. where's the money at and all this sort of stuff. But if you're not getting out there and promoting it, it's not Absolutely. the most fun thing to do. I get that. Um, but you know, you know, there's, there is that price to pay, isn't there? Well, man, I'll tell you what, like a lot of these top athletes that you're mentioning, you know, I I think I have an idea of what you're talking about, but like for me, you, you you get paid, you have the sponsors that you have because of the fans that you have, right? I'm nothing without the fans or support that I have from the people, right? Mm -hmm. If I never had the support and the influence that I have on people, um, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the sponsors. I have the great sponsors and the great people behind me. So like, (laughs) <laughs> you've got to look at it like that also right if, if, if you're that type of person but like for me for me I, I i look i look past that and i look at it more as like a a legacy thing you know like i want to be able to like go to the restaurant in 30 years time and someone who's whatever you know 30 years old 20 years old comes up to me and be like hey man you know you you were like my role model growing up you know and he's like you know an older guy you know like kind of like just younger than me but like i'm like jeez yeah. dude like that's crazy that it transcends just you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, to, to your point, you know, I spoke to Susie O'Neill not long ago and I left that interview like 
buzzing like a little schoolgirl because I just grew up idolizing her and watching her. And she was like the queen of Australian swimming to us. She was just, there, there was nobody that got near her in yeah. terms of that. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, to your point, I think, you know, there's many people that would sit at a dinner and see Susie at the table next to them and go, that's Susie O'Neill. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Awesome. I hope something can get bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said, man, I think you guys are doing a great job with the ISL and that's why I do want to get right behind it and help push it and promote it as much as I can. Um, awesome. on, from this side of the, the, you know, the, the world as well. But I think, you know, if, if everyone sits on their hands and doesn't do anything, well, nothing's going to change. Right. It's that old saying, if you know, of course, um, but, oh, I was going to say Absolutely. this is that old saying, and I forgot what the bloody saying is. I know what you you always know do what, you, what you always done. You'll always get what you always got. There you go. Exactly, yeah. Got there. It's getting late for me over here, mate. My brain's slowing down. <laughs> uh, mate, breathing to the side. I, I told you we'd come back to it. What, why? What's all that about? Because I know as a coach, we, you know, we look at that and we go, what are you doing? Get your, <laughs> get your head down. Keep your head straight. So what's the reasoning behind yeah. it? What do you do it for? Yeah, I don't know, man. I've always done it. It's just like to see where everyone is, you know. I'm always looking underwater. The cameras catch me sometimes. They're looking underwater. I mean, I have a deal with my coach. I'm allowed one per length, you know, so... Sometimes I use it wisely. Obviously, the first 50, I don't use it. Second 50, I don't need it. But like third 50, I'm looking underwater, looking around. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I get motivation from that to see where everyone is, you know? So. Well, there's no doubt it makes a great meme, mate. I don't know if you've seen them. I'm sure you've seen the meme with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've seen some funny ones. I think uh, it's, it's, yeah, for the kids listening, don't, don't copy that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I'm too old to change now. <laughs> the old dogs can't learn, can't learn many new tricks now with that. You know what I mean? Getting rid of the, the old stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, mate, I appreciate the tip and, uh, and helping all the coaches out. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Nico and our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. Now, if you love this episode and want more of my chat with Chad, don't worry because part two is coming your way tomorrow, so make sure you do not miss it. Still to come this week also, we have world champion after world champion. It really is the week of megastars here on Off The Blocks, so keep your podcast fix right here to hear from the best swimmers in the world. Until then, though, guys, stay safe, stay humble, stay smiling, and it's bye for now.